So Nuno, where, where shall we start today? It's our very first episode. So, so probably I, I will ask you, how are you feeling today? Well, really good, actually. Um, thanks for asking. Uh, but going a little bit deeper, um, well, I feel great. Uh, but asking this question is a very good starting point to any uh, program for self-development, because actually we only live today. We, we only exist and make decisions in the present. Um, the past is gone and the future, we can look forward to it, but it's just in the future. So looking deeply and, and analyzing how you are feeling today, um, making this question very honestly inside yourself and looking for the answer and actually just feeling the answer that comes out is um, much more powerful than it seems at first glance. So uh, usually the participants, when we ask this question, they go for the easy answer. But uh, when you go, when you start thinking a little bit about it and you go deeper, um, it is much, much more important and more meaningful than just feeling good or feeling not so good or feeling really crappy, whatever, but looking for why that, that happens. Um, and actually, uh, we can look for the question, how is the walking mentorship feeling today? <laughs> that's, uh, that's a good one. I, I, I think I will take that one. I feel pretty happy, actually, pretty happy. Uh, but um, also looking forward to uh, slow down in the coming weeks and, and, and probably have, uh, have a rest because um, this past, let's say, four or five months have been extremely intensive uh, for us. Uh, since the middle of March, when we felt that uh, we had to revise uh, our priorities, we had to revise our action plan overall um as a as a you know organization as a group of people um we've been working uh e extremely hard to reinvent parts of what we are doing to create new programs to create new partnerships my god i mean wh when i look back these lo last four or five months i have doubts actually they are i mean the last three four years <laughs> the last <laughs> three four years what yeah. it feels like <laughs> That's what it feels like. But at the same time, I think that it also explains the reason why we are making this podcast. I mean, what for? Uh, because um, we've been accumulating and we are actually the, the uh, I would even say the loyal uh, keepers of so many incredible stories uh, that people have shared with us uh, throughout our programs the outdoor programs, the online programs, uh, the different routes that we uh, that we make. But probably uh, it makes sense that um, we don't keep it uh, as much uh, for ourselves. And uh, we have the um, humbleness, I would say, to, um, to share it with others. Because we never know, uh, you know, when you drop this little uh, coin, uh, stone on a, on a pond, uh, what would be the ripple effects and uh, and and it's not up to us actually to to decide that so we will do it we we, we plant the seeds as we like to say and then then we'll see what happens yeah we'll, we'll just look for the for what the future brings but that aspect of just um, this wealth of uh, knowledge 
and it's not it's not especially practical knowledge it's it's practical but it's also emotional psychological knowledge that uh, we only accumulated because people have been um, have been sharing with us which is amazing and we are for sure extremely grateful for that i mean we have this huge luck of having um, the opportunity to do what we love and, and actually walking with amazing people on amazing routes is really um, well it's not a job actually it's much much more than that um, but it's amazingly pleasant um, it can also be very challenging obviously but from those challenges we also bring out the most amazing uh, solutions the most amazing um, insights and many times just uh, and, and connecting to that ripple effect you were mentioning many times we look at things that are apparently meaning meaningless i mean almost like uh, you you do nothing you just uh, you share a, a glass of water or you uh, offer a hand uh, coming up a, a steeper climb or something and that makes the whole difference to someone else and so yes. being just available being open to uh, share to receive and uh, willing to help and give is probably the most um, relevant aspect of doing the walking mentorship programs i mean you you need to to remember rule well not rule actually uh principle number three <laughs> the more you give the more you take that, that is really an interesting uh, perspective to to think and now we are giving through this podcast and we really hope for the uh for the ripple effect but i mean if uh, whatever if just if it, this is just beneficial to one person that's great that's already that's, uh, i i yeah. totally agree with you and that usually leads us to you know in this kilometer zero we have a we have a second step or a second question that usually asks us you who is around me and uh and here probably uh i think the question we need to to, to pose to ourselves uh, so who who participates in this walking mentorship program so let's start with our first guest who is galeo sands in a nutshell in a nutshell well um i always like to say it very simply like this in uh what I do is if you walk out your door from your home and you walk to the end of your garden gate, if you have a garden and you turn left or right when you walk through that gate, um, you'll take the road. And if you follow that road far enough, it will come to the end of town and it'll go into the country. And if you keep walking, you'll come to a track and that track will maybe lead into a trail. And if you follow that trail and you follow it far enough into the hills or the mountains or the forest, you'll come to a place where you find peace. And uh, that is Galio Saints. Galio Saints is all about trails, conservation, and peace building. Gerard Vandenberg. Originally, you are graduated from, I believe, physical education, and the, you 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 spend so much time on outdoor, and actually, you have spent as well time on special education. Uh, and by the way, we had some pretty inspiring conversations about learning and how learning could be improved. Um, do you want to share with us how actually you see combining outdoors and education in kind of a dream school? Because I guess that we, we do have that in our minds. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So 
So as you know, I think one of my core beliefs is that we are nature. No, there's no separation, we're one. Um, so the intrinsic value of nature is also inside of us. And we can see, um, well, in the, in the last decades, uh, how that connection uh, got de deteriorated um, by how we, how we treat nature. And um, instead of having a relationship of belonging, it's more a relationship of, of possession. And that, that, that has, and well, it had, and it still uh, is having a, a really strong impact uh, on ourselves, no? because if we are nature and we are destroying our habitats, um, and, and, and it has a direct effect on ourselves as well. And what, what we do in our wilderness trails is, is also let people experience again the intrinsic value of nature it's just i mean a tree is not uh, is not just wood that uh, that you can turn into paper but it's it's also our oxygen um at the same time uh, there's so much uh, beyond also the visible no so being in nature and us being energetic beings it brings us to what i call the super learning state and a super learning state is, is where you experience uh, openness, calmness, uh, clearness, peace, uh, but also joy and, and coherence, you know? uh, the feeling of belonging. Uh, and, and if you share that with other people, that, that feeling of coherence um, creates a deep connection, you know? also with, uh, with the people that you're with, and, uh, but also with the, with the environment. And what I always found and that's what we call the magic zone so we don't have to do that much to learn no it's like a little child if a little child um, is in super learning state which uh, well scientists say is around six seven years no when when the alpha um, the alpha frequencies uh, start to to work in the brain um, so the young child they, they, they get into super learning state and we we forget that you no know? in, in in our daily lives uh, we get into the the higher betas and in the stress and and we're not open anymore to receive no and you can see that like just like an like a simple example of it listening no we, we like to we like to admit we like to admit we, we we don't listen anymore and when you don't listen you don't receive and and nature is always giving and receiving because it's always in um yeah it's it's, it's a learning hub no because um well, I don't know if, if, if you know about the human um, frequency, which is actually more or less at the 7.83, no? which is somewhere between um, um, alpha and, and theta frequency. And nature is always in a super learning state. So if we uh, flow into the being of nature, we also get in that super learning state. And you don't have to do so much uh, to get there. Well, that's really inspiring. You, you need to be there, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, but but even I, I would even say you can also imagine being there. No, just closing your eyes would also bring you there. No, because now we know the power of envisioning as well. So closing your eyes and and and, and travel to the place that uh, that brings you to that super learning state it's, is it's, also an option. It's so interesting you are saying that because quite often we we hear from you know people that. Uh, for instance, come on, on on walking mentorship programs and actually many people, they actually never did anything like that before. <clears throat> and after they come back home, uh, imagine after a month, after three months, 
they share with us that uh, they are seated you know, at a desk in the office in a meeting, they suddenly close their eyes and they kind of time travel and they are in a specific point on that mountain, on that walk near the river. And they actually they can, they can hear, they can feel, and it sounds pretty real. <laughs> they can yeah. live it again actually and, and, and enjoy exactly that, um, that deep connection to nature and to, to ourselves actually, because what you said before, obviously we are, we are not separated from nature. And so uh, it's actually connecting to ourselves. It's uh, the most amazing, Feeling. Dan Rubinstein. It's funny that you mentioned rapids. I would like to ask you something about rapids because, you know, at the walking mentorship, we use um, walking and nature to support the, the, the mentoring process in, in our programs. But uh, we found that you mentioned on your website something like, my office overlooks gorgeous set of rapids in Ottawa's Rideau River. Um, so. How much in, and actually in what ways, do you believe these settings, I mean, these rapids, for instance, they actually work in your life if, if there is a connection? Can you share it with us? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I, I, looked, I looked at those rapids for two or three years and, and every spring here in Ottawa, when the snow melts, uh, the river freezes in the winter, then the ice melts, and then all of the snow surrounding the drainage basin melts. And the, the river goes from a, a frozen sheet of ice to roaring, roaring rapids with high water. But I, I watched this pattern for a couple of springs. Uh, you know, that, this is beautiful, but it's way too dangerous and, and, and scary and big and loud. But after a couple of years, I thought, no, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to, to hop on my board and, and, and paddle through there. And it was amazing. And it's, it's, it's very, um, I think sort of dynamic, natural uh, features like that, uh, whenever I'm, I'm in ocean waves surfing or on rapids on my board, I'm a little bit scared and intimidated. And that's that's very humbling. And that provides kind of the, the perspective and balance and shows me that I am just this small speck in this big, powerful world. And that, that you know, although it, it's in a sense diminutizes you, it's also very empowering because it gives you perspective to understand who you are and, you know, as one of seven billion, what your, what your real role and purpose is. And, and you can find that same, um, I think, perspective in, in any natural space, whether it's, it's a trail in the woods, uh, a lake, uh, even a, a bit of green space. In a city, I mean, it's 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 watching birds outside your window. It's it's going on a hike. It's it's all of those things. So I, I think having access to and spending time in those natural places is certainly essential for me, and I, I think obviously for for so many people as well. Well, thank you so much. You definitely persuaded me to start paddleboarding. I will try it for sure. I've been thinking about it for me a too. while, <laughs> but I'm gonna try it for sure. Jane Murray. Jane, let me take you to probably the, the opposite side of what you just said right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> how can we pay with kindness when our salaries, they continue to be paid in different national currencies? So the question is, how can we pay in kindness when our salaries are paid in different national currencies? Okay. If it's possible. So, 
all things are possible if we're willing to hold the possibility of them, right? You know, I mean, I think that, you know, if we begin with with defeatism, right, then nothing's possible. So uh, I, I think that's the first point that I would make. For us, right, and, and you know, we're pioneers in kindness capitalism, if you like, you know, uh, where um, in Peace Beam we're now uh, accepting acts of kindness um, as well as money, right, as, as a currency. And how the reason that we are doing that is is really to not because we think it's, you know, some utopian solution to the kind of ills of our, you know, neoliberalist where we've arrived at with those kind of values in the West, but because we feel that it is vital that we start to experiment with different understandings of what is valuable and that um, businesses start to undertake that degree of imaginative thinking and possibility and the and the 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 space within which those questions can be held and they're difficult questions and then you start to create a field of emergence right where something new can arrive out of that but if none of us are willing to hold any of those questions then everything just remains as an idea right or a nice to have and so we've chosen kindness capital because we profoundly believe in interconnection um but again interconnection is just a nice idea or a nice thing to say unless you're really willing to drill down into okay well what does that mean if you live it and so what, what we're saying as a company is that if you are kind to somebody on the other side of the world right like that doesn't have a direct benefit to us but we believe that because of the interconnection and the ripple effects of that, that ultimately we all benefit. And therefore that is its own regenerative currency that we that is the foundation for how as a collective that we can thrive. So um, so that's, that's where we view it, right? We view it as the kind of the first step in the willingness to hold these disruptive ideas in the same way, right? That all of the kind of major tech companies that have made these, frankly, I mean, you know, there isn't there isn't that much money in the world in terms of the valuations that they have. They were willing to hold the possibilities of all of these ideas without there being any profit attached to it. And then obviously there came the Faustian pact where, you know, impatient money, investor money was demanding something back from it. And then they changed trajectory. But, you know, we have great change because we're willing to hold unusual ideas you know we can't we can't solve the problems that we have with the same consciousness that created them as einstein you know pointed out to us so that's a very long answer joao sorry yeah, about that, but. incredible food for thought and hopefully whoever is listening to podcast uh will review your answer over and over because that's probably needed <laughs> I absolutely uh, agree with that, uh, that statement by Einstein and by so many people, actually, the, the, mm -hmm. the, the construction that you just made, which is if we don't hold things as possible and if we keep looking at things through the same lens, we will never see a different picture. So that is the, the, probably the most amazing human characteristic is that we are capable of doing that, of stepping out of our perspective and exactly. doing something new. I think that's really right, Nina. And I think, you know, the, the, the two kind of real imperatives of what it is to be human is the instinct to survive and the instinct to create. And the two mm -hmm. go together, you mm -hmm. know. Yeah. Um, and I think at the moment we're locked into this kind of bleak survivalism 
from a psychological point of view, emotionally, mentally, and physically. And I think that what we need now to break out of that is to rebalance it with our profound creativity and on our ability to imagine a different way of being. Mm-hmm. Alex, Sonjung Kimpang. You know, walking is probably one of the most, if not the most inefficient way to get from point A to point B. I, mm-hmm. I, I heard that at least once uh, in one of our programs, <laughs> yeah. you know, a participant brought my attention to that point. <laughs> Nevertheless, we also understand that um, by walking, you can have a level of engagement uh, uh, related with your life, your thoughts, that probably you can hardly uh, reach the same level in other activities. Mm-hmm. Do you see any kind of parallelism between you know, this conflict between efficiency and engagement in the workplace? Because uh, it seems that some organizations, uh, they see it on part of the same equation, but mm-hmm. um, you know, how this is happening? How can you be efficient, but at the same time be engaged doing something or it's either or. How do you see it? Hmm. Well, I think that you know uh, uh, that much of the problem comes from defining efficiency along sort of uh, uh, using using the wrong axes or sort of wrong metrics. So uh, when we think uh, when we think of you know, sort of efficient use of people's time as sort of maximizing the number of hours that they're working for us, for example. I think that's a, you know, that is a, that turns out to be a kind of category error that not only fails to recognize the, or of, uh, the, uh, that or of hours spent at a task do not translate into sort of higher productivity. And indeed, after a certain period, productivity drops after long periods of overwork. But it also incentivizes at the managerial and organizational level all kinds of bad behavior, right? I think that the you know companies, companies and managers have the freedom not to make hard choices about priorities. If, for example, you know, if you can just assume that every that you know everyone will stay late and just do everything. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, so that's an example of a kind of organizational inefficiency, a kind of inefficiency in the attention of, you know, of a firm that is enabled by, sort of, uh, by a vision of how people, of how organizations can use people's time most efficiently, quote unquote. And so I do, you know, so I, so I do think that it is necessary to sort of rethink what efficiency and effectiveness and productivity really mean and how we measure and sort of what indicators we use sort of uh, to sort of to measure and to understand them. But once we do, um, we can construct workplaces and routines and lives that are sort of both more productive and, you know, and sort of more pleasurable and also, you know, leave in a lot more, you know, a lot more time for apparently apparently inefficient, but secretly very productive things like, you know, like walking. <laughs> That's a great answer. <laughs> Jessica Warkin. I would like to ask you, Jessica, why do you think deep listening is important and how can we get better at deep listening? Hmm. So uh, from early age, many of us have been trained and taught how to talk. Uh, so much that goes into the art of speaking, the art of presentation, the art of debate, the art of making your argument, of making your case. Uh, and 
specifically as a woman, actually, as a girl. And uh, I was trained um, in order to fight with the guys uh, to be verbally very proficient and be able to get your argument and back it with facts and get it out there. Um, but everything was about uh, putting out. It was, um, I think of it as like the great exhale. Um, what we often are not trained to do or taught to do is what I like to think of as like the great inhale. How do you actually slow yourself down, quiet the mind, quiet, and truly take in the information that's all around you? Now, that could be what somebody else is saying. That could be um, reading your environment. That could be picking up on the energy of a room. Um, but it's a very, very different way of moving through the world. It's a slowing down and opening up and a being receptive to what's there. Uh, and when that happens, I think it's also very connected to your question about creativity. It's the ability to, the great inhale, then creates, there's more information coming in, there's more um, field of play um, from which you can then make decisions, from which you can then be creative, from which you can then formulate a point of view um, and, and move forward. Well, I think we cannot resist to ask you if there is a, like a particular situation uh, in which uh, deep listening uh, made a difference uh, to you. Maybe you want to share a little secret mm -hmm. with us. <laughs> um, sure, actually. Uh, while working with the Obama Foundation, uh, which was a pretty extraordinary experience to be able to work with the foundation and to be able to work with, with the former president, um, uh, we were in a pretty heated discussion where it was the executive team uh, of the foundation. Um, and it was an argument in many ways about strategy and different opinions between the senior leadership um, about directionally where to focus. Um, and I and my colleagues, we were kind of all in it and we were sort of having this <laughs> debate. Um, and I realized I actually took a moment and stopped talking and really quieted myself down and just sat and really listened to what was happening in the room. And what came out for me was that there was one person uh, among this really animated, heated debate, there was one person who was not sharing their opinion. Um, and I stopped the debate and I asked permission for this person to come and say what had not been said. Uh, and they did, and it was a turning point for the conversation and for an understanding um, of where they were going to head strategically. Um, but I think I would have missed that because if I had just been kind of a combatant in the fray, trying to make the point about um, strategy and where to go, I would have missed that there was a voice that was missing. Uh, and there was such a deep wisdom in what this person had to say that then changed the outcome of the conversation. So it's listening both for what is said, but it's also listening for what's not being said. And it's also listening for whose voices are not in the room, whose perspectives are not present. And then I feel it's my role, both as leader of my company and also working with clients um, and groups is actually to create the space for those voices to come forward. Shane Omara. Maybe we can talk a little bit about our stress and anxiety and, uh, and how much that can influence our brain system. Um, and actually, I would like to ask you what can or what we should do to improve this situation, especially, I would say again, when you spend so many hours in front of a 
screen, computer, or a phone? Yeah, so that, that that's a great question, and it it, it brings in a, a in a lot of uh, kind of themes. So the first thing to say is that humans evolved in uh, an open landscape. We didn't evolve in a built environment. Um, and we now live a life that keeps us indoors for perhaps 90, 95% of our, our waking time, which is completely different to the kind of conditions that uh, we actually evolved in. You know, the built environment as we have it is a feature of perhaps the last 1,000 years or maybe a little bit longer, maybe 2,000 years or whatever. Uh, but for most of our existence, uh, this is not the environment that we lived in. Um, so what, what we know is that when humans are, are brought out into nature, uh, they feel a, a, a sense of restorativeness from nature um, when uh, they, they have the experience of green and that this reduces uh, the levels of stress hormones uh, and does so... Uh, it seems uh, to a reasonable degree to, to, to the point that people report uh, quite a high degree of feeling of well-being as a result of being exposed to nature. Um, so, and I, and I always think it's kind of curious, I suppose, that um, one of the most prestigious uh, forms of sport in terms of cost and all of the other things is golf, uh, where people walk <laughs> tremendous distances uh, in, in uh, these beautifully tended uh, green fairways, uh, you know, so it kind of brings back almost the verdant plains that we might have experienced in Africa all of those uh, thousands of years ago. Um, so regular exposure to nature is, is something that uh, we need to do more of. And uh, what we see uh, repeatedly is uh, this message coming from neuroscience and coming from psychiatry, coming from psychology, that we need to green our uh, cities and towns because this has a marked effect on the stress levels that people experience. Um, and there's a reason why this, our leafy suburbs, as they're sometimes laughed at or, or described as, are more expensive. People are willing to pay mm -hmm. a, in order to have a view of nature. Yeah. This is why, you know, take the, the kind of sentinel or signal example, uh, Central Park in New York, if you have an apartment overlooking Central Park, that will cost millions more than an apartment that uh, overlooks uh, some other part of New York City. Having a view of green is, is something that has marked health benefits. It reduces stress levels um, and uh, is something that, you know, we should be designing into our uh, towns and cities, but it's, it's frequently overlooked. Jennifer Walsh. So let me let me ask you here a, a tricky question. Uh, we know we've you've had some uh, interaction with neuroscientists, um, mm. and for sure you've learned some interesting things. Would you share some of that knowledge with us? Absolutely. I think the more we find out, the more intrigued we are at how our brain actually changes when we are in nature, and. When I learned about awe and the profound experience of just having an odd experience and, you know, you see a rainbow or a waterfall or, you know, having a bird land on your hand. It's just these like little moments in time that really almost rewire our brains to help us get out of the everyday. So it's it's fascinating when you really kind of see what happens to our, our brains. But also I'm going to go back to something else, too, which I found out from a scientist 
There are phyton sides that are released from certain trees, mostly conifer trees around the world. And there's Dr. Dr. Lee discovered this in the early 1980s that these trees bathe themselves in these phyton sides or aerosols, um, and they bathe themselves to kind of protect themselves from bacteria and illness. So when we then inhale those phyton sides and we're walking around the trees, it activates something within us called NK cells. Our NK cells get activated, natural killer cells. And when they get activated, it helps us ward off our own disease and illness. So these phyton sides are basically like a daily multivitamin. And Dr. Lee discovered this in the 1980s and he's been doing so many tests over the decades. And it's beautiful to kind of watch like how simple it is, just uh, how lucky we are just to walk around conifer trees, pine trees, and inhale phyton sides and it actually acts like a multivitamin. So there's all these great things happening to our bodies and our brains if we just allow ourselves a time to be to be in it. Wow, it's 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 uh, wonderful. I mean, and uh, I really hope that you know the more people hear about this uh, incredible available good medicine, um, yes. make, uh, you know a, a better use of it. It's <laughs> absolutely uh, and for free. <laughs> yes, that's the best part. And that's why they have these great RX, Park RX things happening around the world. And I know some doctors are now prescribing uh, nature, um, especially in Europe. I see it a lot more in Europe than the US. US is, is slow, slow to coming on to that concept. But Europe, they're really, they've been doing it for years. So it's great to see um, they're prescribing nature. Take a little nature walk and call me in the morning. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's, it's wonderful because it's really kind of a gateway for an adventure um, with your life, so... Medium Lopez. But before we, we finish, we still have one really unfair challenge for you. I'm sorry, but this is something <laughs> we do. <laughs> if you had uh, a time capsule, uh, like almost like a message in a bottle that you could send today, throw it out into space or whatever, with a message or some objects or whatever you want to put inside. Uh, and then someday, maybe tomorrow or maybe in a million years, someone or some entity will find it. What would you put inside that uh, time capsule? I know it's unfair. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but... Um... Maybe a little mirror, I think. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think a little mirror, just a little one. No, no words, nothing. Just that's that where all the answers are. <laughs> we don't need to look outside or yeah, that's a thing. That's a, reflection. <laughs> that's a good reflection. It's a word, but you know, it, it comes from me, so... <laughs> wow. David Clutterbuck. Um, well, you talk very often about positive change. Uh, what exactly do you mean by that? For me, positive change is a change that helps somebody an individual to become more in tune with their environment or for a company or a society, but it's something about, about, about being aligned and in tune with the world around us. 
uh, hence <coughs> th that's why we're doing coaching while, while walking is, is a great way of, of, of achieving that because we've got a constant reminder of, of it. Uh, I, I like to depict coaching and mentoring from which coaching derives uh, um, in large part um, in, in the terms that um, that Joseph Campbell, the um, the the, uh, the, the uh, researcher who looked at the great sagas, the heroic sagas, where mentors appear <coughs> frequently, and the critical thing there is that the mentor does not walk in front of you, or the coach does not walk in front of you; they walk beside you. And that being beside somebody on their journey is I, I, is, is the, the core metaphor, I think. Um, help, we, we, we're not there to walk behind them or in front of them, we're there beside them. And that's when you're beside somebody, that's when you're going to have the deepest conversations. It's really hard to have a, a really strong, meaningful conversation with somebody who's in front or behind. really thank you for your answer because I think uh, two or three years ago in the end of one of our walking mentorship programs um, one of the participants in the last uh, meal shared something that uh, I connect with what you just said because we keep repeating keep walking with us or keep walking with me depending on the situation and this person said oh I finally understand what you're saying because the implications of such sentence, they are bidirectional. So it's not really about you or me, it's about us, and it's about walking together side by side. So thank you for clarifying that. But, Let me add, yeah, can, can ahead, I add something there's, Over the last 30 years, we've, we've done experiments with, with, in, with, with thousands of people um, where we've got them to talk about what we call personal reflective space. And, and, and that's about the, the, the way that you go into yourself and how you think about an, an issue deeply. Um, and and the, 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 the relationship between the depth of your thinking about an issue and the speed with which you walk or run or whatever, it, it, there's a clear correlation. So um, <clears throat> essentially, as you start to think more deeply about something, you slow down because your blood is taking more of the sugar that would go to your muscles and using it to in your brain and as you reach that point of insight and then you, you you understand things more clearly you may very often have actually stopped mm -hmm. uh, yeah. but then as you come out of this the blood the, the brain no longer needs to work so hard and then you find you 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 will pick up your your pace again and time and time again in my, my own ramblings, that's what, what happens. You see it at work, you get to that point of insight and you and, and, and you you've, you've by that time just slowed down. It's it's almost like taking the the foot off the your foot off the pedal when you're driving the car and not not being aware that the car is slowing down. <laughs> absolutely. No, yes, absolutely. But before we leave, uh, there are two things that um, really got stuck on my mind throughout our conversation. <clears throat> one, or the first one, is really the pleasure of being on a, on a conversation with a truly free mind. Uh, I mean, the world is so full of narratives these days, and you might agree more or less, but they are out there, and many times they are pushed into our lives, even without noticing. And um, what I take out of this conversation 
with you and not by chance being the, the last episode of all this series of truly beautiful people. Uh, I think it's really the sherry on top of the cake to have another free mind tell us that uh, when you question, when you open up to question, usually um, you gain a lot and, and that's the first thing. The second, I have to tell you that I have doubts and I was thinking, should I ask or not? But, but now I think I already know the answer. Um, I was thinking, how old are you, David? Because I thought, are, are you 40 already? Did you cross that threshold? <laughs> because the feeling I have is that mm -hmm. um, I am talking with someone much younger than me, <laughs> than myself. <laughs> And, uh, and this is, um, it's truly inspiring and a blessing. So uh, personally, I feel very honored, very humbled uh, that you are walking with us on this last stretch of a full year of podcasts, keep walking with me. <laughs> well, I have to say, of course, you, as you know, I'm, I'm 73 going on 16. And, and, <laughs> and, and absolutely enjoying it. And you know, <laughs> The first part of what, what, you, what you were saying, we, we do talk about you know, the, the narrative, and and and, and I, I think you know, if you pronounce if you mispronounce it, narrative becomes narrative, and too much of what we hear is narratives. Mm -hmm. it's, it's 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 blinkered, and I and I think um, we should be trying to create for ourselves and for those around us and, and the and the wider environment. Let's have wider tips. Um, instead of narrow narratives, um, that's the way to to, actually, to 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 be aware of everything that's around us. If we just focus internally, we miss all that stuff that, 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 that's 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 surrounding us. That's so wonderful. That's a great advice. I think we should all follow it, uh, and starting by ourselves, and hopefully spreading the word. So, well, actually, to, it, it's humbling to to talk to you especially because of your your own humility you are you make it all so simple so it's lovely thank you very very much thank you david thank you it's been a pleasure our pleasure step by step we walk together towards the best version of ourselves for more information about our mentoring programs, visit our website walkingmentorship.com Keep Walking With Me, it is a podcast inspired by the Walking Mentorship Experience.